0: The Apostle Paul spoke about being all things to all men that he might win some. Well, if that be the case, it certainly describes the life and ministry of our guest today. He has at various times been a firefighter, an attorney, a jet engine mechanic, but perhaps most importantly, he is a father, a husband, and a pastor for the last 30 years of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in the city of San Francisco. He is Pastor Robert Cowan, and Pastor Cowan, delight to have you with us.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you so much.
0: And uh, let me first say congratulations. I understand this year marks 30 years since you planted River of Life Biblical Fellowship in the city of San Francisco. And any more these days, 30 years at doing anything is a milestone to be celebrated, to be sure.
1: Absolutely. It's, It's absolutely amazing how the time has flown by. I can't really believe, can't even wrap my brain around the fact that we've been doing this for 30 years.
0: Let's t- talk a bit about your journey, and it's it's a fascinating one, as I alluded to in my opening remarks. Um, you have both, in terms of ministry and career, literally been all over the map, which I guess in many respects equips you to give you some perspective on life that uh, perhaps not everybody enjoys. Let's start first with the fact that you are in a San Francisco native.
1: Born and raised in San Francisco at uh, General Hospital. So, yeah, I've been here through it all.
0: And a graduate of uh, Lowell High School, I understand.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Everett to Lowell High School.
0: And tell us a bit about your, your initial career path. I understand that not all that long after graduating from Lowell High School, you went into the United States Air
1: Force. I did. It was my intention to be a become a pilot. And so I thought to become a pilot, I would join the Air Force. Uh, unfortunately, I misunderstood some of the information the recruiter told me and um, found out later that you don't become a pilot uh, as an enlisted person, you have to go to uh, officer training, but it was too late. I had signed up and now I was, uh, I was in the air force.
0: Uncle Sam had you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they had me. <laughs> so I was, uh, yeah, I was a jet engine mechanic uh, for the years that I was there.
0: And then when you left the United States air force, what was the direction? Where was the Lord pulling your heart?
1: Oh boy. Oh, that was so long ago. Uh you know, when I was when I left the Air Force, I was young. I knew I needed to go to school. Um, I thought I would be able to go to school while I was there, but it just didn't work out. They kept changing my schedule, so I don't know that I was so interested in what the Lord was saying as much as I just needed to get a degree and and to move into uh, into self sufficiency, financial self sufficiency, because you know uh, our enlisted personnel are broke financially destitute. And so I just need to make some money at that time.
0: And at some point you made the decision to go into firefighting.
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, when I was at City College, which is you know where I went after the Air Force, uh, the, the recruiter was out there with a fire engine, stopped me and said, hey, why don't you just fill out the application? And I did. And by the time Uh, The whole thing rolled around. It was a perfect fit, even though, you know, I never thought I would be a firefighter, never planned for it, but it was just a perfect opportunity, perfect time, perfect everything. And so I was a firefighter for 11 years until 2002, 2002, yeah. Uh, I left the firehouse after I passed the bar and uh, joined the law firm
0: wow so you've you've really had a a very broad and 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 dynamically varied uh, career i and i and I'm curious along the way as you look back on all of this do you recognize moments when God was working on your heart to eventually draw you into the ministry
1: well you know you you mentioned earlier about leaving the air force and, and the ministry uh honestly, right now, I can't remember where I was in ministry. I know I was at the church, and I was working hard at the church, Um, but, you know, I've been, I guess I've been preaching for 37 years now, and so I think I was, it was pretty, I must have been in the Air Force when I first started preaching. I guess I was. I never wanted to be a pastor. never thought I would be. Um, I just wanted to be a good a uh, good church member, helped the pastor out wherever I could. That was kind of my thing. Uh, but along the way, I guess the Lord really has kind of shaped my perspective uh, to be able to uh, connect with people, to see people from different angles, to understand that everybody is is vastly different and, and you know, really kind of to work together, work with people in a, in a, in a conducive way.
0: So, rather than this being a singular event, some pastors speak of a moment when they feel as if God had a very definitive calling on their life at this moment in time. For yours, it seems to be more of a kind of a process played out over time then.
1: Well, to get me to where I am today, I mean, it was certainly a moment in time where I knew God was saying, it's time to pastor. That was a moment, a very traumatic, dramatic moment. But to get me to this place where I understand how I understand, you know, yeah, it took, it took all 30 of the years.
0: And that, that process, is that in something in your mind that God was shaping and molding you? Do you see ways in which your experience in the Air Force, your experience with the fire department, your experience today as an attorney, that all play in and in some ways perhaps equip you in different ways for what God has called you to do now in your role as a senior pastor?
1: Absolutely. Um, as a as a firefighter, and actually all of it, one, there's just a tremendous work ethic necessary um, to be a firefighter. You are working. I mean, there's nothing like being in a fire. If you've never been in a fire, you have no frame of reference. You just leave just pouring down sweat because it is just so much work. As, a, as an Air Force, an airman, you know, more work. It was just a lot of work, late, a lot of days, a lot of hours, dedication, uh, patriotism. Uh, all this comes into play, and certainly as an attorney, uh, you can't tell on TV, but really, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. So I think uh, one of the things that I learned in all this, besides helping and working with people, is just a work ethic. You just got to work your tongue out.
0: I'm struck by, for example, the profession of firefighters. It's a unique group, much like the police, where we're kind of trained, you know, as, as part of our, our innate fight-flight response, that when we see trouble, to run away from it. But firefighting is a little bit unusual in that when you see trouble, where my reaction as a civilian would be to run from it, your reaction as a firefighter is to run toward trouble in order to assist people that are in the middle of a of a situation that perhaps they can't themselves um, uh, uh, easily extract themselves. And so I, I wonder if there are ways in which that sense of running toward trouble uh, has parallels with your role as a pastor in that you're constantly being called upon by members of the congregation, for example, that are dealing with personal crisis, marital crisis, maybe a challenge of a child that's dealing with uh, you know, drug abuse or maybe has had some involvement with the criminal justice system. And, and, and there you are compelled to go in, to run toward that trouble, so to speak, and provide relief, direction, guidance, and comfort it, in many respects, not all together, unlike the firefighter running toward perhaps a different type of trouble, but trouble nevertheless. Is there a parallel in your mind?
1: You know, I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I certainly agree with it. Uh, it is too often the fact that by the time the firefighters show up, the trouble's already begun. And you're right, as a whether as a pastor or actually as an attorney or as a, a firefighter, um, yeah, you go and you, you try to help people in the midst of a terrible day that they're having. Um, and yeah, you're running into the fire and you're trying to help people get out of the fire. But, you know, actually at River of Life, one of the things that we try to do is help prevent trouble. Because River of Life is situated in such a place that there is so much trouble. We have to, it's it's a lot of putting out of fires, but it's also, this is how you uh, prevent the trouble in the first place. So, you know, my training as an attorney helps me to help people uh, prevent some issues that, you know, really are generational in in their family history. Uh, you know, yeah, I think that that my history, my 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 job history, and all that, really lends to trouble prevention as much as it does uh, trouble delivery.
0: Yeah. So the 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 mitigation part is critically important. But but you're right, and I'm glad you make that point. We we just had, for example, at our studios, a visit by the fire department. Coming to make their annual inspection they want to make yep. sure the sprinkler systems are working the fire extinguishers are in place they've been recently checked and updated the automatic fire doors close automatically as they should in the event of a of a fire things of this sort all steps toward preventing trouble or at least if right. trouble starts to try to control it and mitigate it and I would wonder if maybe that sense of of fire preparedness is a peril that we can be drawing in our own lives, that when we're studying to show ourselves approved, when we're engaging in that iron-sharpening iron experience and going to church and discipleship, that all of that preparation is, in a sense, <laughs> yes, and I, I know I, I'm going to say it because I know some listeners are thinking, I know where he's going. In a sense, it is all working toward um, uh, developing and building a life that will be ultimately fireproof from, that, <laughs> from the 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 sense of the eternal experience Amen. right but but at the same time, I think that notion of of being ready um, being ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within, as Paul talks about and 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 immersing ourselves in what true discipleship is is that process of being prepared so that we are better equipped, not to say that once you become a Christian, trouble escapes you, but rather you're better equipped to deal with it when it comes along.
1: Absolutely, you are. Well, yeah, if you've, if you've been praying about it, you're prepared for it. And, you know, whatever the trouble is, because this, let's just be honest, you know, the trouble that we're talking about is typical, uh, you know, financial trouble, health trouble, family conflicts, uh, you know, world world issues that everybody has to face. And we have to live out of Christianity and in the midst of all of this normal difficulty and we want to do it from a biblical perspective and not react from the natural the uh, natural person might do.
0: We are visiting today with Pastor Robert Cowan, senior pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our discussion right after this. Welcome back to our conversation today, a very special guest, Pastor Robert Cowan, senior pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. Pastor Cowan, I want to pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. And and maybe there's a challenge then for some believers as well that have not been as dutiful when it comes to studying and discipleship, and as a result, maybe find an experience in life that is so overwhelming, they don't know how to react, and they don't know quite how to surrender, uh, meaning surrendering the situation to the Lord, and as a result, try to address problems that distinctly need a spiritual solution, but instead try to use a worldly means by which they want to address their problems and end up making the situation far worse.
1: Yeah. You know, I could not agree with you more. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to one of the most difficult parts of pastoring. And that is one helping people to move into authentic uh, deep relationship with the Lord that is more than uh, intellectual, more than abstract and academic, but actually applying it in everyday life in the most difficult of circumstances, uh, and, de- and then doing it in a culture that seems so anti organized church. I mean, it, it, I mean, I'm talking about Christians, you know, or so called Christians who just hate the idea of participating. And being a part of an organized organized church where there's, uh, there's leaders and there's responsibility, there are uh, accountability, discipleship programs and all that, man, we just want to be the Lone Ranger and, you know, uh, doing all of our worship and everything alone in our rooms in front of a TV, perhaps.
0: Is a lot of this, in your opinion, Pastor Cowan, directly attributable to what I'll call biblical illiteracy? And I asked that question, I'm struck by the fact, for example, the name of your church, the full name is River of Life Biblical Fellowship. Now, to me, that's communicating the sense that the Bible is very central to the life of the church, to your teaching ministry, <clears throat> your pulpit ministry. And I wonder if some of the challenges that the church faces, well, the society in general too, but the church in specific faces because of a time in which today, with everything wanting to be instant gratification, short attention spans, I mean, there's nothing funnier than watching somebody yell at a microwave, boil water, boil, because they don't want to wait the two minutes. Now you've got platforms like YouTube and TikTok that are building everything based on a minute or less. I think in recognition of the fact that we seem to have this ever-decreasing attention span, and things like studying, reading, memorizing seem to all quickly be going by the wayside. How much of this do you think is directly attributable toward biblical ignorance?
1: You know, I think that—well, you actually asked a couple of questions, so I'll, I'll try to answer the best I can. I think that <clears throat> the, the fault lies on both, on both sides of the equation. It, it lies among the pastors, and it lies among the, uh, the la- laity, because I believe that pastors have forgotten uh, biblical precepts. And, and, well, you know, one, you have the big falls that have occurred, and that kind of disheartens, disillusions, and discourages people. And, and so there, then you also have pastors that are running after every new trick instead of just, you know, staying uh, grounded in the word and just teaching the word, trusting that the word is going to do what it always is, is going to do. Um, and, and, and then you have people who are getting caught up in in the culture, distracted, the cares of this world. All of a sudden the church has uh, less important, less priority in their lives. And so I think really the, the fault lies on both sides where everybody is kind of being distracted from the word itself and instead uh, going with culture or temptation, uh, et cetera, and has brought us to this place where the church, the organized church is Uh, in America at least, is not as strong as it should be.
0: We see an awful lot of turmoil around us these days, for want of maybe a a more descriptive word. Uh, Turmoil taking place both globally as well as nationally, related to everything from the current health crisis, um, directly responsible uh, from COVID, to political turmoil, extreme distrust, uh, there's probably always been times and seasons when Americans distrusted their government, but now to see how much we have in distrust of each other. Um, and, and and a lot of this, I wonder if it ties back to, as I think you're suggesting, a sense that there's been this slow march away from uh, biblical integrity in favor of the easier way out—that there might be some that would prefer to have, in a sense, five thousand people show up to service on Sunday morning, even if they're all very superficial, marginal, stuck-on-the-milk Christians—as right. opposed to having five hundred solid, meat-consuming, from from a from a biblical standpoint, meat-consuming believers that are equipped and prepared to do spiritual warfare. And and it's almost as if there's been this trade-off here, not recognizing that as we're engaging in the numbers game, and it's less about quality and more about quantity, that as a result, we've, we've really put the church in a very dangerous position today.
1: You know, I've thought a lot about this, of course, as a pastor, and realized that there are economies of scale to be gained when you have a lot of people attending on a weekend. And so there's going to be a percentage of those that are really dedicated to the Lord, or at least potentially so. Uh, the problem is that once you get on the path, that track of uh, trying to get enough numbers to get those, those, those numbers right, all of a sudden now your whole ministry becomes imbalanced. It becomes purely seeker sensitive and not enough opportunity or drive to challenge people. Because, of course, you're always afraid that if you challenge them too hard, you're going to lose ground where you were, you know, where you have put so much of your resources previously. So, you know, I, it's really hard. You know, I can't blame the pastor that's trying to get, you know, 10,000 because he knows 1,000 are going to be serious about the Lord. And so you got to, to get to the 10,000 to get to the 1,000. On the other hand, I can't be angry with the, with the pastor that says, you know what, I just really want to focus and pour in. And get you know if 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 I only have fifty, all fifty are gonna I'm gonna see them in heaven. You know they're gonna be dedicated dedicated to God. You know I, I can't say which is better. Um, I just I just know that at River of Life, I I do all I might to to make sure that we're grounded in biblical principles and let the Lord uh, play it out however He wants to.
0: You know, and the irony is, and and I agree with you that that I I can I can understand. Why some pastors might take that direction. You know, let's not create waves here. We don't want to, we're trying to draw people in, not drive people out. I I get all of that. And yet, if you look at the teaching ministry of Jesus during his three, three and a half years on earth, if you look at all the writings of Paul, for example, who is, of course, the the sort of the, the majority shareholder of the New Testament. Uh, you see no examples of compromise or watering down the truth or or even an expression of concern over, well, what might happen to the numbers? I mean, in, in fact, yeah. it, 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 other than from the standpoint of talking about some of the water high watermarks of Christ's ministry, feeding the 5,000, for example. But beyond yeah. that, you really don't see anything in Scripture that suggests that this is a numbers game other than... God very clearly expressing that He sent his son to die for all of the world, that none should perish, yeah, um, but in terms of just sort of the the well gee, how do we do in in the offering plate on sunday <laughs> how, many, <laughs> how many showed up to, to sunday school you don 't see any of that in the first century church the The focus right. is instead on building believers and true discipleship and preaching the uncompromising Word of God. And ironically, that formula certainly seems to have worked, because here we are more than 2,000 years later, standing on the shoulders of those saints, of that of that that scriptural heritage, so to speak, that the church, the modern church today, is inherited from what is clearly our forefathers going way back to the disciples themselves.
1: Right. Right, you're absolutely correct. I'm not. I can't argue with anything that you're saying. Uh, but you know, this is America, and America is about the numbers. So you know, what can I say?
0: Talk to me a bit about what you see God doing in your ministry and in the city of San Francisco. Now, you're as we mentioned at the at the get-go, Pastor Cowan. You are a lifelong San Francisco resident, and undoubtedly over that time. You've seen a lot of changes to your beloved city, just as we all have, to not just San Francisco, but the state, the entire nation. As you look back over where things have headed and the trajectory that some might suggest we're currently on, what are some of your biggest concerns?
1: Well, you know, as you said, the city has changed dramatically. Uh, I remember growing up uh, in the Fillmore and there were, you know, just dilapidated uh, lots, houses, uh, houses on on uh, platforms everywhere in our neighborhood. You know, during urban renewal, I remember people standing in front of the bulldozers and stopping the the destruction and, and all that. So, you know, from there, now the Fillmore is, is you know unreachable financially. I mean, it's just so much money; everything costs just like crazy money to get there. Um, and where we are in Visitation Valley is one of the, one of the last places of San Francisco that, are, that is, quote, unquote, affordable. I mean, there's nowhere really affordable, but it is as affordable <laughs> as you can find. And so, you know, it's, it's a crime. It has been a crime-ridden area, uh, lots of drug infestation, uh, a lot of pain, a lot of conflicts in family. Um, but it is changing with the with the rest of the city, and certainly it has changed dramatically since River of Life uh, became a part of that community. So, you know, what I see the Lord doing is is you know what he's doing in San Francisco, he's doing in Visitation Valley, uh, only at maybe a slower pace. And River of Life is a major part of what he's doing. I remember when we first got there in two thousand four uh, from Lakeview, we, we moved there. And, you know, there were there was shootings outside often, you know, during service time. You know, we hear people, you know, the gunshots because our church was situated between the two rival gangs and uh, they would shoot right in front of the church. People were running, running into the church from outside trying to escape the the bullets. Um, But that was, you know, that was in 2004. Today, uh, thank God it's rarely any any shooting. I mean, every now and then, maybe once every I don't know, I don't know. If maybe we had one last year, if I can remember correctly, and the year before that. So it's dramatic increase, I mean decrease. And I know that it's because the Lord is moving mightily at River of Life. We're trying we're having an impact in the spirit realm, which is having an impact in the natural.
0: We are visiting today with Pastor Robert Cowan, Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. We'll take a brief time out come back to more of our discussion right after this. Welcome back to our conversation today. A very special guest, Pastor Robert Cowan, Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. Pastor Cowan, I want to pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. As you look at what's happening in our country today and certainly we're surrounded by this. You can't escape what's going on in the news, most notably the impact of COVID. I I would wonder if there is a way in which perhaps God is trying to get our attention. Uh, Certainly the topic of death, mortality, um, there's never been a time in my life when this has been the topic of conversation uh, amongst so many people and I've got to wonder, you know, if you start contemplating matters of life and death, mortality, eventually it's going to lead you, whether you're speaking it aloud or thinking it to yourself, it's going to lead you to questions about, well, if I catch COVID and die tomorrow, what happens? Where do I go? Is there a heaven? And if there's a heaven, what does it take to get in? And then, and if there's a God, who is that God? And and what is my relationship to him? Are the ways in which, in your opinion, Uh, Pastor Cowan, that God can be uh, maybe intentionally allowing this to happen as a wake-up call to the nation?
1: You know, as unpopular as it seems to be to uh, declare God's sovereignty, you know, I, I just stand on it, that there's nothing that's happening that is outside of God's control, and there are times when the Lord allows things to happen, and he uses them. And there are times when the Lord causes things to happen. And it's all a part of his plan. And truthfully, I am not qualified to discern which is which. Nothing is outside of him. And so if we we are here and the Lord knew we'd be here and he is using it and he is saying, he is making statements. Uh, and listen, it's, it's long overdue. If you look at our nation, you look at our state, our, our city, the judgment of the Lord. Is overdue. He could have judged us a long time ago for our wayward uh, insubordination. You know, we're living in a culture that is just a- abhors biblical perspectives, uh, principles, and and so that we're here. I think is justified. All his decisions are right, and I just pray that it leads us to a place of repentance and 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 return to biblical principles, as opposed to what it seems to be doing is causing us to drink more, uh, get high, and, and continue on our merry way down this path.
0: It's amazing to me the way mankind seems to want to look for every answer, uh, every manner of escapism, uh, except running to Him.
1: Except running from to the Lord exactly you know, we, it's crazy.
0: We, we're gonna figure out a way to do this on our own, right, not recognizing that eventually you run out of self
1: you know we 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 have already run out of self i mean just think look at this this pandemic every time we think it's going to be over, it just it just revs up again. I mean we have restarted three or four times already, and you know our hope has been in the uh and the vaccines, you know, we have a number of vaccine choices, and none of them work. I mean, so, you know, and thank God, thank God, they do mitigate the the injury and the chance that you're going to end up in the hospital and die. The reality is, you're still getting sick. You know, we cannot stop this thing. And, and but we know God is able to do it. I, I wish and pray that, that people would turn to the Lord in earnest.
0: What does the church's message need to be at this time? When you speak to your people from your pulpit on any given Sunday, and and you look at all the things that we've discussed here today, all that's going on in the world around you, not only in in, in your corner of the world, so to speak, there in San Francisco, but on on the broader scale, what is the message, do you think? for the church today as to how we as the church should be responding to this. And I ask that question, Pastor Cowan, because there seems to be a tendency in recent years to want to run after singularly political solutions to what I believe to be spiritual problems. I mean, for example, we, we've just come through a, a a very raucous time in the arena of racial relations in this country And there's been talk about we need to have better regulations, we need to have stronger and more stringent laws, things of this sort, which may to varying degrees address portions of the problem. But at the end of the day, the real issue at hand here is the heart that seems to go largely unaddressed and it seems as if the church this is again not not intended to be a a blanket observation or accusation against all of the church but there seems to be segments of the church that want to run for uniquely political solutions to what i believe are uniquely spiritual problems
1: oh boy you know the church the, the american church really is is uh I, I feel like it's in trouble. I mean, we're we're not as we're not we're not as unified as we ought to be. Our message is not as succinct as it ought to be. You know, the the message really doesn't change. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the cross that it, that delivers. Um, and I think what has happened is so many of us have have been exposed. The truth of the shallowness of our relationship with God is 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 emerging, and this pressure has brought. So many people to a place of, of breaking, and what they thought they had, uh, what they purported to have, it's not sustaining them in the time of trouble. And so, the message at River of Life is, is typically twofold: one, to the unbeliever, Jesus Christ is still the way; He is the only answer. And to the believer, uh, if you if you if you falter in the time of trouble, it's because you have no strength. And so it is time to rededicate, get serious about the Lord, and let's uh, grow up and mature so that we can do what God has called us to do in this very unique time of life.
0: When the New Testament speaks of building our foundation, that that firm, solid foundation on rock, as opposed to shifting sand, are uh, we seeing examples today then of people, as I think you're alluding to, that have? maybe even spent a lifetime building their foundation on sand. They convinced themselves otherwise, but in reality, they've not built their lives on the rock of Jesus, but rather on this shifting sand. And now is this earthquake called pandemic, called political turmoil, called rampant racism in parts of the country, things of this sort, that suddenly now is beginning to shift and shake their very foundation. And they're finding out that it's not built to withstand that shaking.
1: I think I think that's exactly right. So here you have people living in a culture, the most blessed in history for the longest time. I mean, you know, lifetimes of financial prosperity, uh, abundant food sources, lots of opportunity to, to be okay, And so it's easy to build a relationship with the Lord that has little need, has little roots, has, you know, is really nothing there because everything is so is already supplied. But now we're facing uh, not just kind of a temporary shaking, but this is foundational. I mean, what we're looking at, this is this is going to the core. And people are confused. They are in a panic. Uh, and what they thought the world was, they're realizing it never was that. And so because they didn't learn how to pray, they didn't learn how to study God's word and apply it in, in daily life, how to enter into the presence of the Lord and worship and in uh, and, and deep deep a surrender and gratitude, all of a sudden they're, they're little, uh, their their little milk is not helping them. And what they need is what they've always needed. They just didn't want it because it wasn't necessary. And that is true authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, which is what we are, are constantly trying to do at River of Life, help people move from uh, what you think is supposed to be, what you wish, you know, you can just like give God a little bit and then, you know, he'll, he'll change just a little bit of your life and fix the part that you want fixed, when in actuality, he wants to transform everything about your life. He has a whole different plan for you than the one you thought he had for you.
0: And that biblical foundation, is it at the core really twofold? Uh, and I and I pose that question, Pastor Cowan, because it's one thing to study God's Word and memorize God's Word, but you also have to apply it you have to live it. And, you know, the devil can quote Scripture, too. In fact, he can probably quote Scripture better than most of us. Yeah. But knowing it and living it, uh, there's a big difference there, much like the notion of of head knowledge of who Jesus is versus heart knowledge of having that relationship with him. Is that the difference that you're but, speaking to?
1: Uh, I am speaking of that difference, but I'm also speaking of even perhaps a deeper difference Difference than that because you're right. I mean, there is this academic, intellectual understanding, and that is different from how you apply it day to day. But I'm also talking about uh, not being satisfied with with just living it. I'm talking about where you are, where you are deep enough in the Lord, where your whole life, your whole life perspective is about who God is and what He wants to do in you per day, per decision. Everything becomes about him. It's not so. I guess I want to. I'm drawing a distinction. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts. And so now you don't. You don't do this anymore. You don't do that anymore. But this is really about God. What is your will? What is your plan? Help me, Lord, to really walk with you, being satisfied with the Lord, uh, content with what He's doing in your life. Listening for His heart. His heart uh, as He transforms you, as He prompts you and moves you, um, and and not and and being content so that whatever's happening in the world, you are unmoved, because that stuff is irrelevant, because you know who you really are in in the Lord that made you.
0: So there are some folks, if I understand what you're saying here, there are some folks that maybe are content having God in their universe, but not necessarily having God at the very center of their universe, right. meaning that... How they live, how they think, the decisions that they make, the relationships that they have, the job that they do, every aspect of their being, their coming and their going, as Scripture says, is all centered on and focused on Christ at the very center, as opposed to just kind of being in the room.
1: Yep, exactly right. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. He's got to be everything. Or or when, when trouble hits, you're going to find yourself trying to figure out why isn't this working? It's supposed to work. But it's not working because you really never have the authentic relationship.
0: We are visiting today with Pastor Robert Cowan, Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. We'll take a brief time out come back to more of our discussion right after this. Welcome back to our conversation today. A very special guest, Pastor Robert Cowan, Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. Pastor Cowan, I want to pick up where we left off at just prior to the break. So that's the real key. Then it, it, yeah. it's it's not cultural Christianity. It's not well. I show up to you know church every now and then, and I drop a buck in the offering plate. So I'm, therefore, I'm a Christian. You're you're right. really talking about knowing it and living it out in that practical application. Um, that that gives you the ability to then withstand the storm. Again, back to that analogy of the firm foundation built on. Rock as opposed to shifting sand, and it's interesting because and I, I don't want to get into eschatology here because our time is running out, but fr- from a from a biblical perspective, the Bible talks about a time when hearts men's hearts would fail within for fear, and it certainly seems as if we are on the cusp of just such a season, and of course, then ultimately what's the answer? the answer is to know the one that's in charge of it all. And if you have your faith and confidence in him and you allow him to be the center of your universe, then these things that are going on around us, you know, they're, they're no surprise to God. I guess in one sense, they shouldn't be any surprise to us either.
1: Absolutely right. I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, have, I have nothing to add to that. Well said. If folks
0: are new to the San Francisco Bay Area, they're looking for a new church home. Tell us a bit about the ministry of River of Life Biblical Fellowship there in San Francisco.
1: Well, River of Life is really a, a wonderful place. I, I love the people there. Uh, they are, are growing uh, spiritually with a desire to, to, to do more for the Lord. We have several, uh, well, let me just say, our our demographic are, are people, you know, basically who are been in the projects for generations. Um, there's a lot of underemployment, undereducation, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Conflict and pain, and, and alcohol and substance abuse, and all that kind of stuff. So, when people come to, when often when people come to River of Life from our community, they are broken, and and you know we already know the Lord is a healer, He is a deliverer, He is a restorer, and He does that work in in the in uh, in our in our community and our culture. So, we have several programs for for the people that are in our community. For example, we have what we call Money School. And money school is where you come and learn about personal finances. You learn how to start a business. You learn how to draft the business plan. Uh, you we read books. We teach on on finances, investing, uh, business leadership, etc. So you know the people who who have no understanding, no knowledge of these principles. You know maybe lived on welfare for two or three generations. Are learning how to manage their finances, start businesses, etc. We've had, you know, probably about ten businesses that have started from the church, uh, from this from this program. It's really been transformative. We also have, uh, for example, the what we call the Kingdom Offensive, where if you if if you desire to really work for the Lord, uh, you want to uh, do ministry full time for God, but you just can't figure out how to do it. Well, the Kingdom Offensive is a program where you come, again, write a plan out, and we help you get that thing started so that uh, you know you can you can do it. You know how to fund it. You know how to run it, and, and so that it's not uh, it's not really even a part of the church. It's really you and your lifelong goal to serve the Lord in this way. And so you know we have, for example, um, the book club, the River of Cold. River of Cold is where one of our ministers, he wants to teach kids how to do coding. And so, you know, this is his long-term goal, that he wants to just help our community and the children to, to become programmers. So, you know, he started it, him and his wife, and, uh, you know, they're holding classes. Uh, we have uh, these kinds of, of programs where people are, wherever they used to be, they're learning what they need to learn to invest in the kingdom, to be a part of the kingdom of of God, expanding the kingdom in Visitation Valley and throughout San Francisco. So really
0: that that broader, um, uh, almost holistic, W-H-O-L-E, holistic approach that addresses, most importantly, foundationally, one's spiritual life, but then all these other things that's just part of everyday living, managing a budget, going to work, planning, uh, doing all of that that's entailed in in our experience here on the terra firma uh, until the Lord, uh, you know, uh, call us home. And so taking that approach that really addresses every aspect, uh, that makes uh, certainly the ministry of River Life biblical fellowship very unique in that regard.
1: Well, absolutely. But, you know, it would do us no good where if all we did was help people to read the Bible, but did not help them to eat, help them to feed themselves, uh, help them to understand how to how to do better. You know, I I saw a a disturbing YouTube video one time where the guy was talking about when you go into all these uh, poor areas of, of, of America and you see all these churches on every corner. And why is it that you have a church in every corner, but the community is not, is not growing, is not doing better? There's no, there's no increase, but, you know, the pastor driving a Cadillac or whatever. And so, you know, I wanted to make sure that at River of Life, where we are, we are there to transform the community. We're there to help people uh, become functional and, and, and equipped to uh, enter the, the culture in a, in a positive way for the Lord. And, and not always to be looked down upon, but to be able to have a good conversation about on any subject and to be a, an attribute, an asset.
0: Making a difference. And that's really what it comes down to. If you've just joined our conversation, Reverend Robert Cowan is with us today. He is Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship. They meet at 1430 Sunnydale Avenue in San Francisco. And you can get information about the ministry online at SF. Dot O-R-G. that's river of life sf dot during this time of covid pastor are uh, in addition to uh, I would imagine modified services are you also doing services online
1: yep yeah, we are online we uh, actually we have facebook uh, that's uh, river river of life church uh, on facebook and um, we also we just switched to YouTube and so that is river of life. Excuse me, River of Life SF on YouTube and love for people to subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel.
0: Well, we invite folks also to get more information about the ministry. Again, if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area and looking for a church home, we encourage you to explore more of the ministry of River of Life Biblical Fellowship in San Francisco. Again, information available on the web at River of Life SF for San Francisco, riveroflifesf.org. Our thanks to Pastor Robert Cowan, the Senior Pastor of River of Life Biblical Fellowship, for being with us today. Pastor, it's been a delight to get a chance to spend some time with you again.
1: Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day.